Welcome to Leading with a Braveheart, a podcast that helps professional women build the confidence to lead with their hearts, to lead with confidence and compassion. I'm Michelle Johns, and in this episode, I feel so grateful to have had a conversation with Jessica Bell, and I'm so excited to share this interview with you. episode, I'm speaking with Jessica Bell. Jess is one amazing woman who has accomplished a lot and she's not yet 30. She's about to become a practicing lawyer. She's a motor racing enthusiast. Well, more than that, she's won two club sprint championships in 2014 and 2015 and won young driver of the year in her first year of competing in 2014. Inspired by her father's passion for the sport, Jess started her own motorsport photography business in 2010 before taking up racing herself, built her own car, created an online publication for motorsport, worked her way to the president of her racing category committee and was a member of the Women of Australia Motorsports Committee. Jess is now active on the initiative Girls on Track. She lives in Melbourne, Australia. Jess has approached her legal career in an unconventional way, showing us that there is another way to find your career purpose than the traditional pathway from high school to uni and to our first career. Having been exposed to the male-dominated legal profession and motorsport, she has a lot of practical tips to share with career women. I enjoyed interviewing Jess for the Leading with a Braveheart listeners. She's a very humble and confident woman and I'm sure will inspire you. Whether that be to channel your desire for an adrenaline rush by trying out motorsport or to take more confident steps at work. I loved Jess's energy and I believe she embodies the essence of a brave-hearted leader. Thanks, Jess, for coming along today. This podcast is to help career women with their career journeys. So why don't we start with your career journey? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. It's really, really nice to be here and talk about how I, my journey and where I've come from and where I'm going, I guess. <laughs> um, so at the moment, I'm a paralegal and I'm three weeks away from finish my practical legal training, and which will lead me into uh, a lawyer role at my current firm. And uh, I guess how I got here is about a 10-year journey. I finished high school, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but had an interest in law, but wasn't sure if I wanted to commit. And then, so I decided to do a uh, advanced diploma of justice, which went for two years. And out of that led me to a legal assistant role in a law firm. And I did that for 12 months and I decided I wanted more and I wanted to be able to work my way up. And so I decided to start my law degree and eight years down the track last year I finally graduated and here I am about to take the next step. Wow, that's a great journey and also just shows how everyone's journey can be different and that um, people when they're leaving school and they're thinking what am I going to do with my life, they don't need to commit to something very uh, you know, big, as big as a degree at first, like you know, there's another way to get your get your feet wet a little bit I yeah guess. absolutely and even the thought of you know having to get a near perfect enter score just to get into law school was a lot back then and you know they tell you that enter scores don't matter and and but all you think when you're going through year 12 is how much your enter score mattered so um, it's certainly a good way to get into law but not have to worry about having to have perfect marks to get there <laughs> yeah and um, interesting you say that because uh, you know there were people finishing year 12 a few months ago and that is such a stressful time for school leavers because they think that defines their whole life and yet you've shown that there is another way yeah, absolutely. And and I guess, yeah, it is a longer journey um, and I'm about to turn 30, but my goal for me was always finish uni before you hit 30 and I got there. So that was always a nice feeling once I, once I did graduate last year. <laughs> and um, life isn't just about work, right? So I'm sure that you've, you know, during that time, there's a lot of other things that, you know, you can accomplish in life. It's not always, it's not always about your career. There's other things that, you know, to keep you occupied, I guess. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me, outside of work, uh, I have a what I would say a pretty exciting um, hobby. I guess um, doing. Yeah, I'm pretty heavily involved in motorsport, uh, in car clubs and things like that. So going racing is sort of my way to let off steam and have a bit of fun. That sounds so exciting, and uh, I guess um, for the risk takers out there, I guess it's also. A bit of an adrenaline rush as well. Oh, very big adrenaline rush, but it's lots of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a good, good place to let it all loose, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, motorsport lawyer, um, is it? You know, do you want to tell us a little bit actually about how you got into motorsport? That could be a good, a lovely story to hear about too. Yeah, of course. So, I guess for me, in a way, maybe I didn't really have much of a choice. My my dad started racing in around about two thousand, and um, my my brothers followed suit. So I was the youngest, and naturally also had to follow suit. And uh, so I'd use my brothers and my dad's cars. Uh, for a few years there doing club sprints and doing all sorts of track days and I I learned how to drive on a racetrack which is a pretty cool story not many people have that one for themselves Um, and then from there I decided uh, to compete in some club sprint championships and I won some won some championships uh, two years in a row and won young driver of the year in one of those years as well and so from there my dad said it's time to build your own car. So we built my wow. car and I've been competing ever since. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm just catching up. Um, won championships and built your own car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty lucky. We, my whole family is very heavily into motorsport. So being able to do it for me is, is I guess, my family thing. It's pretty um, pretty close-knit family. We do a lot, of, lots of things together. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did you say how many older brothers do you have? I've got two. Two, two yeah. older brothers and dad, kind of influencing that. Yeah. As well, and I guess some. Um, oh, you know, if there's people out there that are interested in something like this, and they don't have the, you know, the, the passionate father and um, brothers, what's, you know, what would be your advice for someone to get into this sort of thing? Um, yeah, lots of lots of car. I guess start with joining a car club. There's lots of car clubs out there that that run uh, what we call come and try days. So it's basically you can bring your own car, right. you can get on a track and have a bit of fun, uh, or we do um, driver training days, things like that. So you can actually bring your own car along, have a bit of fun on the racetrack, and and learn how to drive your own car a bit faster. That's where a lot of people start, and then from there they might they might graduate up to sprint days. So it's kind of like a time trial type oh. event where you you almost I guess racing against yourself and then uh, a lot of people then take the next step from there and go racing <laughs> racing well, I might just start asking you questions um about this just for my own personal interest so hopefully the listeners also enjoy it so um yeah I want to hear more about the um you know the process so um how do you you know train and um this might sound like a really dumb question for you but like um how do you even uh, yeah, like training and um, how do, is there like a like a club sort of thing where people all get together? How does it all work? Yeah, so I guess um, it all starts with car clubs. So it's not necessarily more about the training side of things. Right. Um, we do have most uh, categories of racing. They have their own clubs. So for example, um, I'm the president of E30 Racing, which is the category that I race in, right. and um, we will have social meets as well as uh, we race together obviously and things like that so we kind of all keep in touch and in the off season and have a bit of fun together and uh, go do practice days because you can do practice days it's not all about the racing and just do other club events and things like that when we're not racing. Oh, so I can um are these clubs like um I imagine there would be it would be very male dominated so um is other clubs that you're involved in um for are there specific ones for women or is it all um, whoever's interested? Yeah, um, le- less, l- I guess, less geared towards women. They yeah. are definitely male-dominated, um, but there are initiatives and things out there to help women. For example, Motorsport Australia ha- uh, have the FIA Girls in Motorsport initiative, which awesome. encourages – it sort of starts at the younger ages, so girls in schools, it gives them opportunities to attend events and learn about things like, um, you know, jumping in a go-kart or uh, – changing tyres and things like that on, on mock cars and things like that and also the the um, the STEM side of it so the maths and the engineering that also goes into motorsport so it's yeah it's, it, there's pretty much something for everyone in motorsport. <laughs> oh, 
of course, yeah, they've got the engineering side and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that the listeners might be interested in, so I might want to put that in the um, show notes as well if they're, if they're keen yeah, to understand definitely. more. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's awesome. So I guess um, if I wrap all that up together, you've gone into legal um, area, which is very male-dominated. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you, Well, it's changing a bit, but definitely still um, at the partner level, you know, yeah, of, absolutely. of firms. And then you're in motorsport, very male-dominated. <laughs> and a lot of women do struggle with that in the corporate world. Um, so I guess that you might have some advice for them. Is there any advice that you would have to help women navigating that? Yeah, I think definitely... Um, for me, it was networking with other women I found really helpful in, in furthering my career and in, in sort of trying to work up the ladder. Um, it's probably the most important thing is networking with other women because I found for me uh, in the corporate world, in my experience, that they're the most supportive of each other and that sort of, right. you know, I guess keeps you going. <laughs> and I love that because sometimes, um, you know, we hear a lot about women having that natural tendency to compete with one another yeah. because of the way we were conditioned that there's only one seat at the table and so we have this um, thing that you know there's competition out there but when we ask people they're actually supporting each other yeah you know, we do support each other more than been sort of advertised I think. Yeah and I think the landscape's changing a lot too. I'd say when I first started in the law things felt a bit I guess like you said a bit more competitive and um, and you know you, you'd have to really make that effort to have a conversation with someone about you know this is where I want to go and all that sort of stuff but I found I've been a much bigger firm now than what I was back then but but now I find there's, so, there's such a nice culture especially in my firm of you know we'll work together to achieve the goal together rather than I'm competing against you um, sort of thing I've found which is really nice yeah I love that and how does that play out in the motorsport (laughs) as well well there's even less of us in in the motorsport world um, (laughs) which is really great I'm I'm really lucky my brother's partner and I did a lot of sprint days together and we we went we very early on we sort of went on that journey together which was really fun and we we do um for, for females in particular, we do um, it once a year. We do a uh, International Women's Day Come and Try Day uh, at a racetrack, which is designed just for women to come, and we try and get as many women instructors as we can, and have a bit of fun together. Oh, um, do you happen to have those details with you? We can also share that. Yeah, absolutely. We can share that. Uh, I can tell you there's a day in April, so I can share the oh, date it's with in you. April. Yeah. Okay, that gives us a bit of time. Um, this is to get organised. Um, yeah, going live in. <laughs> Uh, late February, so a yeah. bit of time to get get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It'll be awesome, awesome to see some new faces. <laughs> yeah, right, we'll definitely um, put that in the notes. And when I think about that competing, I've even got in my head that the women compete against each other. Is that right or is it open, an open field? It's very much open. Okay. Uh, back when I did sprint days and things like that, we did yeah. have uh, a ladies' championship, but these days it's more uh, everybody competes against everybody. Um, yeah, it's oh. lots of fun. So so your championships, did you beat the men? I did. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I did, yeah. I, I did my two sprint championships, I did, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And look, I imagine that... Um, and you have given me a heads up that we did have some interruptions with COVID as well um, with motor racing. Yeah. And so how does that play out? I mean, you're in the car by yourself. Why? <laughs> I imagine it's all that uh, that STEM stuff happening around the yeah, car. Yeah, definitely. I think it's all the people coming together at the same same time, same place, yeah, yeah. Uh, needing – there's so many volunteers and things that, that go into motorsport and um, – you know, trying to get everybody together in the same place, it's it's a it's a big exercise. And then when there's uh, restrictions on how far you can leave your house, you can't mm-hmm. go more than 5Ks or 10Ks or, or oh, whatever yeah. it was at the time, um, it makes things quite difficult to organise. Yeah. So how long was that, um, that, that put a whole championship out, that, that um, event as well? Yeah, so we only got run, one round in in 2020 and all the rest fell, unfortunately, at the same time as every lockdown. And you come out of lockdown and then all of a sudden you're like, yes, mm. I can go racing next weekend and then we're back in lockdown again. So unfortunately, 2020 was a bit of a write-off. Yeah, I think it was a write-off uh, in a lot of respects. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> a lot of sports didn't happen that, that year either. 
so um, when you came back, so you've been back racing again. How how's it all going since you came back in 2021? Yeah, pretty good. I I we I think we managed to get four or five rounds in in 2021. Um, had a bit of a rough start to the year with a bit of an accident at the first round. And luckily. I've got two brothers that race, so I was able to steal one of their cars for the rest of the year and finish the ra- finish the year in seventh, which was really cool. And seventh is pretty good when you uh, when you um, throw the first race. Or, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was going to check with you about um, about that uh, car you just talked about. So you had your own car, yep. and um, I understand you even mechanically got involved as well so tell us about that yeah so in 2020 while we had had a bit of downtime and between lockdowns and things like that we decided it was uh, it was time to build a new engine I'd been running an engine that was uh, a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down which had had never been properly built for racing it was just straight out of a a road car and so we decided it was time to bite the bullet spend some money and um, build a competitive engine Right, so um, you get your hands dirty and actually build cars as well. Oh, yep, absolutely. So my I, my dad's a mechanic. One of my brothers is a mechanic. So it's it's still a family affair. We all, all get dirty together and do all the work together. So that's how you got into it as well. Yeah, just with the family. But I mean, I must imag- imagine that not you know like growing up, you know, again we're conditioned and we're given the the dolls and especially with two older brothers. Um, so what was the family life? like you know to actually get like you're the third you're the girl you know like <laughs> okay so let's give her some barbie dolls and let her be yeah um so imagine that you must have had a, a very a different upbringing than some people in that respect yeah i guess i guess so i mean i definitely had the barbies and the the horse stables and all that sort of stuff <laughs> um but when i was very young my parents split and so a lot of the time when we would spend time with dad were at the racetrack okay. um which then led to dad giving me a camera to keep me busy <laughs> which went then when i was old enough to actually drive i was able to get behind the wheel but i think okay. it was more of a this is what i do when i see dad and then grew into a love of it too yeah awesome well, there you go <laughs> didn't um yeah, didn't think of it that way, I guess. Um, you know, I guess still there are parents that tend to not, you know, expose all of the children to all of the different things. So, yeah. you know, I guess that can happen. Um, so if we think about how that sort of plays out in your career, um, did it make it, I guess, easier when you came into a male-dominated workplace or um, do you think it you know, helped you in that respect at all? Definitely. I yeah. mean, I, my, you know, my motorsport is, takes up most weekends. So I spend, I spend a majority of my life in, in a world of men and, yeah. and certainly dominated by men. Uh, and so I guess it does transfer in a way across to the working life. It, it doesn't, I guess as you get older and you get more confident within yourself and you get more confident within your job, I feel like those things start to fall away a bit and you don't think about the gender of the people that you're working mm-hmm. around you as much I find yeah. um yeah I it's funny I, it's not something that I think about yeah, a lot these days I find it very easy to walk, walk into a room I guess full of men yeah yeah that's great and I and I guess this is really just for our listeners that maybe didn't have that sort of male dominated um inclusive sort of upbringing and then you end up in the workplace and you don't realize what's going to play out there and that the that sometimes there is a bias around it and you go to a meeting and you don't even realise why you're not getting getting heard. Yeah, definitely. And I imagine that um, uh, there might be some learnings around this, this whole just feeling confident in those situations that um, you could share also with the listeners around, I guess if I put it in a way of like how do you see um, confidence or is there any advice you could provide around um helping women I guess build confidence in those situations like a little tip or something that you could think reflecting on your career yeah definitely I think for me as a as a I guess young well young young 20s I guess uh for me I I very much lacked confidence and for me it was um by focusing on the work I was doing and knowing that I was good at my work, that's sort of where my uh, where my confidence came from. So nice. I, I thought, I know that I'm good at what I do. And so it, the other stuff didn't matter as much because I knew that I was really good at my job. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this is like um, that little uh, confidence 
um, versus competence. So yeah. if you if you're actually confident in what you do, then it's you don't have to worry so much about um, I guess that fake it till you make it because you actually know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I guess sometimes we see people who appear very confident, but there's not not substance behind it. And I think um, that's where we where we see that sometimes come out with men mm. and not I don't want to be. Um, bagging men but you know that you see it more often in men yeah definitely um, so it's good to um remind ourselves that look inside and what you're good at and then just rely on that and let yeah. it let it shine I definitely guess. Yeah, yeah definitely know what you're good at and focus on those and use that as your strength definitely yeah yeah uh, that's great advice <laughs> uh, so you talked about um getting into photography as well I don't know if that do you still take photos now or is that uh not so much these days but it was more of a lack of time thing as the end of my law degree picked up the other things had to fall away a little bit I was taking photos nearly every weekend at a racetrack for a while there so something had to give uh, but I promised myself as soon as I finished my degree I'd get back on the photography thing and so hoping that some events this year I'll get to and remember how to use my camera again (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's um, that's the thing, isn't it? But I'm sure it's just like riding a bike. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you're about to finish your um, your legal, uh, what are they, qualifications? Practical, yep. Practical legal training. Practical <laughs> legal training for those who know what that is all about. <laughs> and then what's next then? Um, so have you got, you've got a role to move into and then, so what do you see in the future? Yeah, so I've been super lucky to find myself in a position where I don't have to go and apply for a graduate position. My current work has, has offered me a lawyer role in my current team, which is even better because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of change and I really like my team that I'm in, <laughs> so I'm very happy to stay in it. Um, and so from there, it'll be, yeah, finishing, as soon as I'm admitted into law, I can hit the ground running in my new role. <laughs> And what do you, oh, it's so exciting. And what, I mean, and this is the thing, you know, with these different career paths, because um, you already work somewhere that you enjoy. You've got a lot of experience already. And then it's just um, all coming together for you. So what's, um, what's the first thing you want to do as a lawyer? Like, I know there's lots of different... Um, areas of law so what area do you work in so I'll be working in intellectual property and and across our technology team they're kind of one team so um, intellectual property and technology bit of a generalist to start with so I can find my feet and figure out what area I really like you know whether it's privacy or something in technology or trademarks and things like that kind of figure out what I really like and then start to focus um, in a few years time on on a specializing area and just to divert just to think about career paths again you sound like one of those people that likes to, you know, experiment and then see what's what sort of takes your um, fancy, I guess, um, and then, you know, go from there. And it's, I think it's a little lesson there, and you might be able to share your thoughts on this, is that often we get hung up on what is my, you know, career goal in 20 years, what is my um, purpose, and we get stuck um, because we can't you know kind of translate it today to to the next 20 years or whatever um and so I think the way you've approached your career it's like um as I learn then I learn what I want to do next but do you do you have like a 20 year sort of vision or plan or are you pretty much like this this is the sort of path it's like you learn as you go what you're interested in yeah definitely I think um you know in 20 years time it would be nice to be sitting in a partner at a firm somewhere or a head of legal somewhere or something like that I think I always I'm always been someone who's driven to sort of work my way up the ladder I guess is the best way to put it and so it's I feel like it's you can plan that but then you know who knows what path that you'll end up going on so I've always found that just if you give it anything a go that comes your way you'll find the right fit and the right path to keep taking you on on your journey (laughs) yeah I like that and I think it's that having that northern star if you like it's not set in stone exactly what you'll be doing yeah like um, sometimes we get hung up on I need to pick a role or a particular um, position and a particular path to get there but actually you can just have a northern star which is you know 
partner of a law firm and then how you get there could be in all different directions yeah definitely and it's, I've definitely found that you know finding the role that I that I'm in now is something that I'd never expected and I, and I thought you know it'd be you know you finish you finish law school and then you've got what is such a competitive area to, to try and find a grad role and you, you've got to fight tooth and nail to get a grad role and it's really difficult and you've got to apply for everyone you see and all that sort of stuff but it's definitely made me realise in the last few years that if you can set yourself up right early on then you can probably put yourself in a really good position sort of planning but not planning so have an idea of where you want to go yeah. I think I think I did a really good job of that <laughs> I think you did as well and let's face it you're still young <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you said something about having a goal of, um, you know, finishing your degree by 30. Is that what you said? I did, yeah. 30 yeah. in two weeks. <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday because I think you. this might come out on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's still young. And I think that we have sometimes at like 18 or 20, we think 30 so old. <laughs> we do, definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, believe me, when you're older than that, you think 30 is extremely young. So yeah, and look, you've got all of that experience plus all of the um, degrees um, or, you know, study qualifications, if you like. Yeah. And you've still got like a lifetime ahead of you. So, yeah, it's yeah, pretty amazing. Awesome. And what about the future in the motorsport? What goals have you got in that space or... Well, there's a perpetual trophy in our E30 Racing Championship that's got my dad's name on it and it's got both of my brother's names on it. So the plan is to see my name on it too sometime in the future. Oh, that's a great goal. To have. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, just to share, what kind of um, training or what kind of commitment do you need to make to sort of achieve something like that? Yeah, so there's um, we for our championship we run a certain number of rounds every year. So I think this year we've got seven rounds. So getting to all of those rounds is obviously super important. And then um, being able to do practice days in between, um, make sure the car's running right if it needs anything. And then obviously um, they're not they're not super easy cars to drive. So staying in shape also helps. <laughs> okay, so a level of fitness um, yeah. in terms of your. Um yeah, race car. Because you think of this is me, like later. Um, you you race a car. You just have to sit in the car. But obviously, yeah. it's not just um, yeah. Think just that. think of whatever car it is you might have at home, and yeah. then you you know you pull all the interior out. You yeah. put a roll cage in there. You get rid of the power steering because you don't need power steering. Power steering, okay. Yeah. No power <laughs> so steering. the arms get a little bit sore when you haven't driven in a while. Right, it's like a bit of a workout for your biceps. Yeah, it definitely is <laughs> your triceps, probably. Right, okay. So so you've got to. Um, a bit of a commitment in terms of fitness. Do you have a regime? Do you have to do like? Do you do something for oh, that? Oh no, I'm I'm pretty lax when it comes to a fitness oh. regime. I'm definitely not what I should be. Um, <laughs> just try try and stay, you know, reasonably fit and healthy, and you know, the the racing can can really take it out of you. You know, I did a practice day a couple of days ago, and in one day of you know four or five sessions, I lost two kilos. So you, you kind of you know you got to make sure you keep up your water intake and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Wow, it takes a lot out of you. Oh, I should drive a racing car every now and then. <laughs> I'm having trouble losing kilos yeah. on the, uh, on, on the treadmill. not helping with that one. <laughs> I should come to that day. What, what day did it again? <laughs> in April, yeah. In April, yeah. International Women's Day celebration. Yeah, yeah. So, that was, so that's a great cause as well. <laughs> we'll come along to that. Um, so if you um, – oh, I had a question about that actually. But that's all right. It'll come back to me. So if, you, if you're um, – if you've got all these commitments that you make in in the racing car, I guess arena, what what kind of career? Or, or let's say this is your second career, okay? <laughs> it's pretty much a second career. Um, how do you see that? Like, is that something that you do would could do for forever? Like, or is it um, just to a certain age? What is the usual thing that you would do there? Oh no, you could do it forever. Really, yeah. we've got we've got people that I race against now that watched me when I was you know knee high <laughs> that that, I, that have been around my whole life that we've raced with. So you can it's you know lots of people do it for different reasons. It's their hobby. They might do it once a year just to get out. Yeah. They take it pretty seriously. I mean you know think supercars. It's their job. Um, or there's people who just dabble every now and then just to just to have a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, so um, any age. <laughs> awesome. So if there is someone curious about coming along, what could they expect on on a day like um, on a day out like that? 
So think of come and try day. There's things like um, you'd obviously arrive on the day. There'd be a driver's briefing that would tell you all about the day, what, what's expected of you, how it might run. So you, you would be in a specific group. Um, you would be uh, introduced to instructors and things like that who would um, would give you an idea of if you're on the racetrack you know, how to get around the racetrack in the quickest way. So it's, you know, all your lines, all things like that. Um, you'd probably have a few different instructors throughout the day, which we always recommend because it's different instructors teach in different ways. So you might find yeah. I can teach you how to get around turn one really well, but you might find someone else can teach you how to get around turn 10 very well. Um, it's very, it's very different, uh, which is re- which is really fun. And um, usually, yeah, those days are just go out and have fun. Yeah. They're pretty relaxed. They're not, they're not, not too serious or too crazy and yeah so anyone's welcome absolutely complete beginners are welcome yeah and if you don't walk away with a smile I'd be very surprised (laughs) so um the one you're doing for International Women's Day is that uh raising money for any particular cause or anything like that it's more of a raising awareness so uh, about getting women involved in motorsport because you know like we know that in in a lot of industries like 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 the legal industry, the corporate world, there isn't many women. Yeah. Um, and so, and motorsport is one of those places. The women are very much the minority. So we encourage uh, women who want to come and volunteer, who don't, don't necessarily want to go on track. So they do things like uh, flagging, yeah. things like that, um, or, you know, running race control. We have women who work in race control or, or up in the tower or, um, okay. you know, keep you organised. We're pretty good at being organised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a common trait of, of women, that's for sure, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's a, everybody's welcome. Come and have fun, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah get your, um, I don't know, your adrenaline running that's what it's about isn't it definitely that definitely gets the heart rate up (laughs) it's definitely an alternative to um sky jumping (laughs) look you'd never catch me sky jumping jumping out of a plane bungee jumping none of that (laughs) right there you go (laughs) from the the, uh, mouth of a uh, racing car driver (laughs) yeah much rather go fast (laughs) in a car i feel like i'm much more protective when i've got a cage around me (laughs) yeah for sure for sure (laughs) um all right so um I guess on the motorsport, is there any stories you could tell us from your your life in motor racing that uh, I haven't really touched on? Um, gee, I'm probably sure. I'm sure there probably is. <laughs> <laughs> what about the? Um, I guess the first the first car you built. Did, how did that come about? Yeah, so it was. Um, I still remember it was like like it was yesterday. It was 2014, and. Um, I had just won, I think it was my first uh, first sprint championship and my dad said, you know, it was time. I'd been wanting my own car and I'm sure my brothers were sick of me driving their cars and dad said, it's time, we're going to build it. So I, I took three weeks off over Christmas and um, we started building. So it was everything from uh, building the cage ourselves, so welding, all that sort of stuff. Dad would have to bend all the metal pipes and things like that for it all the steel and then it was you know stripping out the car and you know getting in there with you know everything to pull out um sound deadening that kind of thing to make sure it was a complete shell uh you know putting all the running gear in the engine everything like that and I mean it didn't it took much longer than three weeks (laughs) but that was (laughs) certainly the start of it and then after that it was I think it was every Tuesday night was Jess's race car night Awesome. And then from then on, and I think my first race meeting was in about August that year, and it was in New South Wales. So we were put the car on the trailer and off we go. <laughs> right. So yeah, the, the car gets protected, taken up on the trailer. Yeah. How it works? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all that because I just had no idea about any of that. It's it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Really. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've got. Um, you're, I mean, lawyer. Being a lawyer will take a lot out of your life. Um, have you thought about how you're going to fit all of this in? Like, I think there's this thing around um, women doing it all. What, do you have any kind of advice around how you get how you fit things in? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy because I guess for me, um, I'm working. Well, I work four days a week uh, officially, but every, most people who work in the corporate world know what you work and what you officially work, I guess, are often two different things. That's true. Um, so 
when I was, I was obviously doing that towards the end of my degree, I was studying full time and also doing a lot of club work with my motorsport and all that sort of stuff. And I guess the biggest thing is being able to organize yourself. Um, I live, I live on a to-do list and my calendar. Okay. I, yep. I don't cope without my to-do list and my calendar. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's good it's, advice. I guess the most important thing though is like making sure you're a pri- you're, you're your own priority too. So, you know, spending all the time working is not good for you, and, but also being so busy with, you know, if it's your hobbies or your work or whatever it might be and not actually taking time to stop um, – you got to make sure you prioritise actually stopping and slowing down for a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, um, it's that thing about we think we don't have time for that, but actually we don't have time not to do it. Yeah, because that's what gives us the time to re-energise to to get back into um, a busy life, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah, definitely. I guess the and, and I guess the other important thing too is uh, learning to say no. <laughs> yeah, and look, that is something that. Um, Again, like women do struggle with saying no. Yeah. Um, but if we're saying yes all the time, uh, then people just keep giving us more to do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so what's a way to say no without saying uh, – well, what's your approach to saying no to things? Like maybe something practical might be useful as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess I guess the most important thing is just to be honest and, and not to yeah. say – Oh, I, you know, I've got such and such on when you actually don't. If you say, I just, yeah. I just don't have capacity to be able to take that on right now, or even saying, I can't do it now, but this is when I can do it. If and and if that timeline works for you, then great. And if it doesn't, then I'm sorry, I can't help you out. Um, that that's something I've had to learn a lot uh, yeah. with with uni because obviously uni is has for me was most important deadlines for uni generally don't move <laughs> you can't really tell the lecturer uh, sorry I just I don't have time to submit that assignment yeah. unfortunately not no. so um, I think it's you know learning learning what you need to say no to what you can maybe do and when you might be able to do that and the things that you can do being able to I guess sort those in your mind into what you can and can't do and can maybe do and and when you can realistic realistically do it I feel like I'm a pretty um logical thinker a lot of the time so it's easy for me yeah. to go yes no maybe if and if it's maybe when yeah kind of thing and that's good advice and it comes back to what you said before about taking those breaks um and putting yourself first because to be able to assess what is the important things that you really need to do and what things you can um, sort of push back on or, or use the language that you use, which I really liked, um, is you need to have the headspace to be able to determine and prioritise like that. Yeah, definitely. So sometimes when we're so overwhelmed, it's hard to say no because we don't even know what we, you know, what's a priority anymore. And yeah. we, we start to see everything as a priority and urgent and we just do everything and then yeah. burn out. Yeah, get overwhelmed, burn out, and then it's all over after that. <laughs> need a holiday, although we, we probably always need a holiday. <laughs> we always need a holiday, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, so how do you well, – yeah, that would be something that – how do you fit all that in to your life, like, as well? like Holidays? Holidays. Oh, well, gee, not well, at the moment. <laughs> well, no, I, it's funny you say that, actually, because I was in Europe when COVID kicked off here. Okay. So I, I, we had this amazing – motorsport themed uh, holiday in Europe where we were doing lots of car factory tours and uh, we were actually we were going over there for uh, Geneva Motor Show which is one of the biggest car shows in the world and we got over there we landed on Friday in Rome had a great time Sunday Mm. Saturday Sunday go we we go to Florence and start working our way up to northern Italy and Monday morning so we've been there three nights Monday morning we wake up and we're getting calls from home saying are you okay do you need to come home and we hadn't been watching the news we're on holiday and all of a sudden uh I look at my emails and we've got all of these cancellations for our tours that day and we we start freaking out we're like what's What's going going on and yeah it turns out Italy started to fill up with COVID at that point and then um, from Italy you know we couldn't go to Venice because Venice had been shut down because there was COVID cases there I mean you think of it now there was three COVID cases there and you think about what we've been through since then Um, but there was uh, 
whole areas in northern Italy at the time that they had closed off and they weren't letting people in and out of. So we were just like, we need to get out of Italy. And then so we managed to get up to Germany and then from there it felt like COVID just followed us around the whole time. It was about three or four days behind everywhere we went. So it was was nice. It was pretty stressful, but it was still – you look back and think we were so lucky because if we were supposed to leave a week later, we would never have gone. Yeah, because I do remember like being on the other side of the world in (laughs) Melbourne at that time and Italy was the place that – after Asia, it's a place that took off very quickly – and uh yeah so then then europe yeah eventually europe got shut down as well and yeah so we we came home it was it was such a bizarre time we came home and i had already had an email from work saying if you've been over overseas in the last two weeks don't come in for two weeks before the end of that two weeks we were all in lockdown and work was closed and so i i think i went from i had been at work mid-feb in uh 2020 and i and it was something like 14 months before I went walked back into the doors of the office again and you just you had no idea that 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 was life that what was you know if I could have guessed that that was going to happen before I went to Europe I I could never have (laughs) no way no we did not predict that (laughs) one wow and then yeah the whole world has changed since then so yeah I've definitely got some unfinished business over there though (laughs) sounds like it's an unfinished trip that's definitely (laughs) well we're opening it up at the moment and let's see what happens from there yeah i think i think uh let, let life settle down a bit first with with people coming and going and then might have to tra- plan the next one <laughs> be interesting to um listen back to us talking about this in a couple of years and might think have to revisit. Are, yeah, we'll have to revisit <laughs> and uh, what what happened with the next trip and uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> hopefully a bit more motorsport <laughs> yeah that's for sure so um have you done a bit of travel in terms of the motorsport as well and before all this happened I guess well I've I've have traveled internationally before and most of my trips have involved some sort of motorsport I went to Japan and Europe in 2015 and in Japan everything we did there was all motorsport related we went to a track called Abisu which is uh, something like nine tracks in one and it was just three weeks straight of being on track and having fun and doing well, things the Japanese way driving yeah oh wow yeah they do a lot of drifting over there so they're there and it's just a What's track drifting? What's drifting drifting so it's like um sliding sideways yeah it's uh it's another another I mean I, I don't I don't do it regularly but um it's another fun a fun little sport to have a play in <laughs> it's uh, sounds yeah look, for the, those uh thrill seekers out there <laughs> definitely. it's uh better than skydiving definitely <laughs> <laughs> um and then from from earlier in that year in 2015 we also went to europe and we did we drove lots of tracks so some some listeners might have heard of the nurburgring um which is like 20 kilometers long it's quite long um and then also spa which is another big track over in europe as well we did and we went to a few grand prix and things like that so yeah i was gonna say do you you know go and watch the um formula one or anything like that yeah yeah. definitely so well every sunday night when it's on is um it's late night in my house watching Formula One, but when it's in Melbourne, we we definitely do. We we actually put our cars on display because they they have uh, club displays along the side of the track, so we usually put our race cars and things on display there. Okay. And when was the last time we had Formula One here? Did we? They tried to have year? it in 2020. Yes. Oh, I think they tried to have it last year too, actually. But the last actual race was 2019. Yeah, that's right. Because 2020. I was at work and they were doing, uh, and I, just for the listeners, I worked and I live near the racetrack, yeah. so I hear it all, and on the, I'm pretty sure it was the Friday morning, it was really loud and then all of a sudden it just stopped. Yeah. And then someone said, they've just canned it. Yeah, it was pretty crazy time, because that, that is when I actually just came, had come back from Europe, yes. and we had flown in on the same plane as the same team that were the people that had COVID. Oh, wow. So I'm sitting at home freaking out because I'm like, do I have COVID? I was on the same plane as them. And back then you couldn't get tested unless you had symptoms. So you'd That's go right. to get tested, they'd turn you away. And I'm looking at these people on the TV and I'm like, but they've got it. They were on my plane. <laughs> well, that's uh, one uh, famous encounter you didn't really want. Yeah, you know, no, most of us are looking not. for the famous encounter on the plane. Uh, no, not this one. Not that one. Absolutely <laughs> not. It was um, bizarre, bizarre time. <laughs> A bizarre time. Well, um, you know, 
this podcast we've taken a, a turn into COVID, but it was very relevant. When we're <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a very different time to what we are now. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, it's amazing to look back and see how much life has changed over the last two years. Yeah, I guess um, I'll create a question out of that if you like. So, um, yeah, I guess what would be a learning you've taken over the the last two years that you could apply in your career or even in your motor racing? Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, I guess more than ever, taking care of yourself. I, th- I find it's it's harder to do that now. You know, for example, working from home, you go from one room of the house to mm-hmm. the other. If you're working in an apartment, you might not even leave leave one room um, and being able to try and take time for yourself to separate that whether it be going for a walk or if we're I guess if we're in lockdown going for a walk that's about all you could do but assuming we don't go ever go back into lockdown again um, going for a drive just getting out of the house and taking that time to separate so you can actually reset because something that I really struggled with was if I was doing the same thing every day, all day, not actually leaving the house, my motivation would just basically didn't exist. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I guess I said before, um, you know, taking the time to stop, to actually reset and yeah. clear the mind, get out of the house, get out of the same routine. Because if you're going from one room of the house to the other, sometimes that routine might actually not be a good one. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, when you think about um, how you could bring some variety into that as well, I'm sure that, you know, you could sit down and brainstorm some ideas on a Sunday like, okay, this week maybe I'm going to, you know, walk to a different, you know, do a different walk at lunchtime or, yeah, it's it's definitely something that we need to, to take with us and not forget those things that we learnt as well because mm-hmm. um, I feel that we had a little bit more compassion for others and um, cared about each other and also cared about ourselves because you know we needed to yeah and I think that part of like um life is just take that with you going forward don't forget it don't yeah. forget those learnings that we we got at let's take something from this situation we've been in definitely yeah I, I think that that's that's a really good thing to remember just don't forget what what we've been through to get to this point and kind of hold on to that yeah hold on to the little nuggets that we got out of it <laughs> yeah um, we can see any any positives from from the last two and two and a bit years. Yeah, just yeah, whatever you see, just take with you. Yeah. Let the other stuff go. Yeah. <laughs> Let the other stuff go, that's right. Mm. Well, I did um prepare some questions for you. Um and I'll just check those before we wrap up. Yeah, sounds great. Um and uh, I've I've already I've already um asked you uh, look I guess um I'd asked you this already about the, you know, if there's um, women out there want to get into this sort of motorsport area and they, they weren't sort of brought up like you were and all of that. Um, and I think about not just in terms of um, the motorsport, but just in terms of getting into something a little bit out of their, out of their natural like, environment. Do you have any advice around what, what women could do to do to sort of try something new be a bit more courageous like you're clearly like a a bit of a risk taker surely there's something you can share around that with our listeners yeah I think just um I guess most important thing is just having a go but finding doing some research like for for example in the motorsport world there's lots of car clubs join it if you have a specific brand of car or something you like join join a club that's associated with that brand and go along to a meeting and you might find that you actually meet lots of really lovely people and in my experience not just in in the clubs that I'm a part of but in many clubs they're just so inviting because they're just so excited to have new people whether they be male or female really but they're just so excited to have other people around to talk to about the things they're interested in to help out to show to say hey this is what I do do you want to have a go yeah yeah so yeah um, and there's two things there that I heard one was like do the research because especially for those that are a little more introverted or you know networking is a little bit scary do the research first that start somewhere and don't think about you know in two weeks time I'm going to be going to this I've signed up to a networking event I'm going to meet all these people how scary do the research first do the first step to find out what there is out there yeah and then and then I guess um take the next step 
which might be a little more braver in terms of meeting new people or getting involved with people that you haven't met before. Yeah, definitely. And I think social media makes that so easy these mm, days because true. most most um, most groups might have you know a group on Facebook you can join and you can start talking oh, to people there. You might yeah. start talking to them and then get to know people. And when you go to an event, you'll be like, oh, this, I know I know you. I've spoken to you online or something like oh, that. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for mentioning that to the uh, older person here who <laughs> who still just tries to go straight to a networking event. But yeah, no, that's true because now there's a lot more accessibility for different personality styles and so on to you know meet groups. Um, they feel, you know, more safely online first. I'm not saying safe and online at the same <laughs> at the same time, but it is true because is you know possible. there's private private groups and so on. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that um, I've mostly covered all of my questions already with you. So before we wrap up, I'd love to know, um, remind us again of the next steps for you. Um, in terms of um, your career and also this event coming up. Yeah, so uh, next steps in my career are finish up my practical legal training in a couple of weeks, uh, get, get admitted with the Supreme Court so I can practice as a lawyer and hit the ground running there. Um, and the International Women's Day Come and Try Day, uh, it's in April and hopefully we'll be able to share a link with that. So if there's anyone yeah. listening that wants to get involved, absolutely get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. Yeah, we will. I'll be sharing that link in the show notes sounds great so thanks again jess for coming along i really appreciate it and um if you have any closing words say them now oh gosh i'm terrible at closing words (laughs) thanks for having me (laughs) awesome all right well um for everyone else hang 10 because i will also provide you with some takeaways and some homework as i usually do Before closing out this episode, I want to leave you with a few actions and reminders you can take from Jess. Firstly, if you're intrigued to try out motorsport or just have a fun day out, go along to the International Women's Day event run by BMW Drivers Club Melbourne. The link is in the show notes and entries are open now. And a little summary of the key tips that Jess shared with us. Firstly, instead of focusing on confidence, focus on what you're good at. Look inside yourself and know what your strengths and your skills are. Secondly, in managing a male-dominated world or industry, seek support from other women and support them in return. And thirdly, look after yourself. Whether that means saying no in a way that respects the other person and yourself, or if it's taking those breaks and prioritising self-care. So I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jess as much as I did. Have an awesome day and catch you next time.